Welcome to the Galway Races new six-episode podcast series, Let's Be Having You Galway, relaying stories from inside and outside the parade ring. Paul Collins here. It's been my honour to chat to racing royalty and lifelong fans alike. On the latest episode of Let's Be Having You Galway, Tom Keane on the joys of being part of a racing syndicate. It would, it would work out the keep of a horse if the shareholding is right. The price of a round of golf a week. Jane Mangan counts her lucky stars. If you like a sport, you get paid to talk about a sport. It is bananas to get to do that. And clarity at last for fellas in the style stakes. From Anya Killalay on the socks or no socks fashion debate. If it's a loafer, don't wear a sock. If it's a shoe, please do wear a sock. Let's be having you, Galway, the podcast, welcoming into studio today a man from only out the road, Tom Keane. How are you? Good now, Paul, and yourself? I'm not too bad now at all. And as they say to someone whose name is Ryan from Tipperary, what Keane are you? Born and bred in Galway. I like to think I'm a proud Galway man. Um, follow GA Racing, Anthony Local, we're there, um, and try and enjoy um, as much of what the locality has to offer as we can. You reminded me that we met a number of years ago, and thankfully we're still talking after that exchange. We absolutely. Um, we were in a local host- hostillery, I think is the word you should be using, um, over in the Clayton, not too far from where we are now, and uh, we enjoyed a, a light ale, as they say, um, after one of the race meetings, and a quite enjoyable, a busy spot um, race week, and, and plenty of fun and enjoyment over there, and hopefully... In a couple of weeks' time, we can do more of the same. Absolutely. And you have dabbled in ownership, and you must be on some twine, lad, there to own a fair <laughs> number of horses. Um, I wouldn't say definitely not on twine. The bank manager will testify to that. Your connection with Galway is through a syndicate that you've put together. Yeah. So back, to, as I say, 2008, 2009, I remember myself and a few ex-colleagues, that business has, has now moved away from Galway. Um, we were at the Galway races. There was a local winner. We knew some of the connections and we seen the elation, the crack, the, you know. And of course, over a few, as I said earlier on, a few of those light ales or bottles of beer, whatever you want to call them, we said, wouldn't it be brilliant to do something similar? So obviously the thinking hat went on, acquired a... Uh, um, a four-year-old filly. It happened pretty quickly. Um, quite a couple, four-year-old filly a couple of months later and uh, placed her in training with uh, the late Tom Foley of Denoli fame down in, in County Carlow. And to be honest about it, the reason I suppose Tom had a very, very good strike rate from a small number of horses in training. And being a small local syndicate, we needed to keep it affordable and so on and so forth. And I had a previous connection with Tom as well. I'd met him a few times in the past and just felt he was a right fit for what we were trying to do. And lo and behold, God rest him, 12 months later, we had our first runner at the Galway, at the Galway races and she ended up finishing third on only her second start. And unfortunately afterwards, she was subsequently had to be retired um, later on later on that year. But I think that got the bug for a lot of people to get involved and stay involved. And some of them are still involved um, in a syndicate I manage today. I've great admiration for people who do things above and beyond, whether it's voluntary work, whether it's bringing lads to training, organising GA training, washing the jerseys, or in your case, a syndicate. I mean, I hear the word syndicate and I think a lot of stuff has to happen there to keep people in the loop and to find lads and basically keep the information flowing, etc., etc., collect money. 
How did you put a syndicate together? Well, I suppose the first thing you're looking for is, from the, the people side of it, is people with a similar interest that want to get involved, would like a runner, hopefully a winner along the way. But mainly that, I suppose, people aspire to the same idea. And the money is not, the money part of it is affordable for everyone. You know, there's, everyone would have a great idea over maybe a pint of Guinness and it all sounds good. And when you sit down and do the sums on it, it's not. And let's be real, it has to be affordable because there's so many other challenges for money, be it mortgages, kids, uh, the cost of living, whatever food. it be. Food, more importantly, yeah, it goes, you need, to, you need, it has to be affordable, you know, and, and that it gets everybody involved, the wife, the kids, a lot of the guys now that will be involved with me, the wife, the kids will go racing occasionally or might go for a stable tour when we, we the horses might be working or whatever. And that's all that involvement brings it along, you know. And in your case, presumably for your first syndicate outing, these were people that you'd met through a shared interest at race meetings and probably had that discussion. And did you have enough people in the loop at that time to form your syndicate? We didn't, I didn't have to go too far. I think in the original syndicate, there was 10 members, including myself. And with that, I suppose it grew. You know, they had friends. One might drop out for whatever reason. They might have been moving away or whatever. And somebody, you know, the next... Car tax. <laughs> car tax, yeah. Or backdating car tax. And they they would turn around and say, look, the next time something comes up and there's a slot available, will you let me join or whatever? And I suppose what's made it successful, I suppose, is results. We've been looking up to a few runners along the way and winners along the way and a couple of placed horses. A bit of luck for not major financial outlay. What does that look like now? I'm only living in the world of self-employment now, Tomás. So not major financial outlay could mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So what kind of money are you talking about? I suppose the the way a lot of lads would look at it is without going into... The, the, the pounds, fake, shillings, pound, and pence. pounds, shillings and pence. It would it would work out the keep of a horse if the shareholding is right. The price of a round of golf a week, as you can see from my physical presence, I don't play a lot of sporting activities or even that golf. But and I say that in jest, the price of a round of golf a week would would keep your general between five and ten percent of a horse a, a week per year. Now, I suppose. A lot of fellas would say, well, are you playing the old head of Kinsale or are you playing another track up the country? But that being said, yeah. it's all relative, of course, yeah. if you can afford a round of golf. Yeah. And how does a syndicate work then in terms of, I presume there's a WhatsApp group or information coming in. How do you manage all that in terms of the expectation and the information coming through about how the horse is doing, etc.? Yeah, so look, we we try and keep, keep keep everyone up to date as much as we can. We do a bit of work. Most of our work there is done by by Peter and Bear Fahey over in Monastrevan. Uh, formed a good f- friendship and and with those guys over the years. While Peter was 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 riding, he was doing a bit of pre training, and that's kind of where it would have would have started. What's the name of your um, syndicate, by the way? There's a few. There's the Festival so Dreamers. Who's asking? This, yeah, exactly. The Festival Dreamers would be the would be would be the, the main one, and it was the Festival Dreamers. The name was formed by obviously trying to get a winner at the the Galway Festival or, or or the other festivals, you know, and to attend, be able to have a runner at those festivals and enjoy them. And they've been successful over the years. In in the main, uh, most of the horses they've ran have won something along the way, um, and 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 being competitive, and they they enjoyed it. But going back to your question about managing, I suppose the information. I'd speak with the trainer probably once a week, get an update, put that update to the guys, offer an open date, say, look, we might go over once a month and get a look at the horse working. Or if, if the horse is not running, if the horse runs, we just go and meet at the track. 
and keep that there. And I know one or two listeners or viewers who are involved will be laughing when I say this, like um, one of them had said, geez, there he is again, negative Tom, you know, but um, I, I like to call it realistic, you know, um, you have to manage, really, you know, expectations and because it's such a competitive game, you know, we're here talking about Galway, we're nine weeks out. Some of the most competitive racing in Ireland will happen not too far from where we're speaking now in nine weeks time. You have, for those who are following racing, you'll have flat handicaps, they'll be four or five pounds from top to bottom in the handicaps, that's how tight they are. You go look at the Galway plate. Last year, Hewick won it for uh, John Hanlon. Goes along and wins an American Grand National matter of weeks, weeks later. That's the competitive, that's what you're meeting in Galway. So to have a syndicate going there with a live chance, you're trying to <laughs> manage those expectations as well and, and, and that. But look, at it's in the main, it's general fun. Guys are enjoying it. We're all, like to think we're all in the same wavelength. We haven't had too many tips or arguments over the years, thanks be to God. And, and um, many are involved from the start and are still there. There used to be an expression in Ireland in media terms, if you want to be a millionaire at media, start off as a billionaire. And presumably in racing, if you want to be a millionaire, maybe racing is not for you. It's kind of a pursuit. And it's a bit like the golf analogy you used earlier on, Tom. You don't expect to get a financial return on paying for a round of golf. And if you're expecting to pay for your holiday home in Florida, this is probably not the way to do it. It's more of an interest, isn't it? A hundred percent. And we would have called that out. I would have called that out at the start. Like your monthly contribution, that's your monthly contribution. It's like being signed up to the aforementioned golf club or buying a ticket for Old Trafford for the year or whatever, whatever it is or whatever, whatever your, your, your interest or hobby is. And that's the same way here. If you get into it thinking there's going to be a massive financial return, you're at the wrong game. And I wouldn't tell anybody any any different. You know, there's no there's no false promises with, with it. There can be certain elements of racing where those promises might be there, but that's their business and that's how they run theirs. And I, I'd like to think that that being called out at the start with the guys we deal with, that's why they're still there. They know that that's what it is, you know, and that's, that's what kept them in it and that shared interest again. And do you get people sort of saying to you, listen, we're not going to the Canaries this year, Tom. Give me the number of that trainer there. I need to find out what's going on. Yeah, lucky enough, um, nobody has gone out. I, I, I must be, maybe I'm doing something right or, or, or maybe they're uh, afraid to ring him. I don't know. I don't know which. But um, in general terms, a communication will come through myself. Now, the guys would meet would meet the trainer at so different the, events throughout the year. They don't they don't really get involved too much. So the trainer's head isn't wrecked by 40 lads ringing him late at night saying, hey, what's going on? No, I, he'll probably laugh at this or certainly his family will laugh at this. There are times he doesn't answer their calls, so <laughs> um, never mind getting other people to get get getting other people to ring him and, and, and answer. So look, they're bu- they're bu- they're very very busy people, particularly in the early part of the day. When in general terms, they would set the expectation as well, you know, with the owners that this is how we do things, and and um, I suppose when you have upwards of 50, 60, 70 horses in training, if everybody was ringing on a daily or by daily basis, you'd get actually no work done, you know. So. They're generally kept to the calls are kept through myself and look, we'd catch up with him anyway, looking enough at race beatings, or as I said, that those days out when we'd call up to see him every couple of weeks or, or over every couple of months. So I think it's fair to say, Tom Keane, after that discussion, when it comes to Galway 2023, you are hashtag raring to go. Well, that's the word that's in it. Maybe after one or two nights and the enthusiasm might dwindle a small bit, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we're enthusiastic and we're ready to go. I asked someone um, this question, and you might be able to answer it. What is your top tip for surviving the full seven days of Galway? 
uh, water, I think. I have a little bit left in front of me. Water, water, water. Hydrate. And hydra- hyd- eat and hydrate. Um, I hope I remember those tips myself in nine weeks' time, but uh, those would be eat and hydrate, yeah, definitely. Raring for Galway indeed, and helping to get us into the zone for the big week in Ballybris, we're delighted to welcome Jane Mangan. Jane, how are you? I'm I'm very well, and I'm I'm pleased to be part of your lineup. Very good. You had a quite an illustrious list, so there must have been a few non-runners. <laughs> to be honest, we just had to get someone from Cork in. Uh, I also appreciate that. We're looking ahead to the Galway Race Week 2023. A really special place for you in terms of your career, your family, and great memories of Galway. Yeah, Galway is just the fabric of our sport, and it's a, a week in the year that, you know, like the RDS in, in Dublin, you just cordon that off, block that off in your diary. You have to be there. You have to be available. And it was only in uh, the UK a couple of days ago when the taxi driver told me that he went to Galway last year and they made a fortune and they're already making a plan to go back. So it's one of those race meetings that is just more uh, more than just track and the horses it's uh it's, it's it's the people stories to go along with it and for as long as I can remember we've been a family engulfed in Galway dad has always liked to had, have had runners there and now we're at the stage where you can't just have runners because the caliber of racing is so good because the prize money is so good hence the racing is so competitive that you can no longer just go there with a horse you need to have a good one so it's looking like this year we might just be spectators now, people often give out about people on television, actually, what do they know about things? But you've been there and done it in Galway. That doesn't stop them giving out. <laughs> yeah, I, Galway, as a kid, I remember dad having the, mom and dad having the Galway plate winner in 97. I was three and I remember watching it and mom getting getting very animated in front of the television. And for whatever reason, that stands out. That's probably one of my earliest racing memories. I can remember her shouting because it was a very close finish between strolled home on Idiot's Venture and he had made all the running and then he got passed and then he fought back. So that was one of those Paul Carberry magic moments. And um, I, I don't remember this in 2000, Monty's Pass finished second in it, but you never remember the second, do you? <laughs> and uh, 12 years later then in 2012, I had my um, first ride at Galway. I was, I was warned that it was a really tricky track to ride. I had a terrible draw in 16 of 20 like car park draw and sorry uh, car park draw what's that y- you're, you're back you, you're you may as well stay at home <laughs> so a car park draw thank you for clarifying that yeah high teens and um i'd never ridden to philly before it was for dermot well so i went to, to pat smullen and i asked him for his advice and uh he said just good luck <laughs> there good was luck no there was no uh there was no enthusiasm coming from pat and um so I went out with no pressure and uh, at the time Dermot Weld, every second horse he ran at Galway won and fortunately she was the better half of that draw and uh, that kind of set me set me alight. It must have been an unbelievable feeling against all the odds to cross the line and punch the air. Yeah, I'm not a punch the air kind of girl um, <laughs> or a person in, for that matter, but I knew... It's funny, I went into the week with two rides, both of them for Dermot, and uh, I came out with a ride every day that week. That's what it does for you. And Dermot is a man who knows Galway incredibly well and has had incredible winnings in Galway. Yeah, but he, he does that because he doesn't just win handicaps with horses that are well handicapped. He tends to run good horses. Just last year we saw Tahira, 
And I knew that day watching her that we could have seen something pretty special. Jessica Harrington won there with Alpine Star. Aidan O'Brien will run classic horses there. From a punter's perspective, you always focus in on the handicaps of the Galway Plate and the Galway Hurdle. But in terms of flatter jumps, you can get a, you can get a classic winner out of Galway. That win then was historic. It was, uh, you know what, the, like first girl to win the amateur handicap on the Monday night of Galway and then Kate Harrington comes up and does it the next year. <laughs> so it just started to flow and, and it, it was nice that, you know, it was nice to be the first to do something. And um, you're just saying that I know Katie and Nina hadn't and did never manage to win it. So I was like, oh, yes, uh, one one thing over them. Uh, the Obviously, the only thing I'll ever have over them. So you didn't even get to bask in it for years. The following 12 months, it was gone. Yeah, that's racing, though. It's gone the next day because you get beaten on your next ride and it's gone. I went back the next year and I had another good ride for Dermot and I got locked in on the rail and I had a good draw. Apparently, in inverted commas, a good draw down the rail and I never got off the rail. So... You need you need luck and uh, you know year one first ride I thought I had to rub the green but then as things progressed um, I think in twenty twelve in twenty eighteen I had uh, my RTE debut there that was the first time RTE put me in front of a camera uh, between as I call them the two Godfathers uh, Ted Walsh and Robert Hall and uh, that went well so actually Galway has been very good to me in terms of my career. And how do you find being on the other side of the parade ring now as a broadcaster? I don't think it's a job. I think it's the best pastime passion you can have. If you like a sport, you get paid to talk about a sport. It is bananas to get to do that. And um, particularly when you're at the festivals, when, you know, all your friends are, you know, it's a sought after ticket to get. And I get to do that. And I get given the ticket to do that. So I know you said you're... You know, it can be very demanding and you're driving and maybe working late and studying the form and getting the declarations and everything else. So it must be incredibly demanding if you're working there and all your friends are there and you're trying to get downtown and you're trying to get a bite to eat and then you're trying to get home before a reasonable hour and then get up and do the same thing tomorrow. So how do you survive? Anybody who knows me will have already laughed. Um, Go downtown. Mm, no, I'm extremely d- disciplined to the point of boredom where I just... I heard that. Yeah, I just do my job and uh, my friends know not to count me in as a part of the fun until the week is nearly over. Saturday night. Is this because you're such a pro? It's probably just because I'm boring. Um, I have always been that way. I don't know, maybe it's the way we were reared at home. Um, everybody works hard no matter what you do, whether it's... In, in public or professional life or private life, if you want to be good at what you do, you have to be committed to it. And I've seen that on the saddle, in the track or in the yard or everybody like who, who works with the horses, they start before dark in the winter and they finish when it's dark. You know what I mean? So if the least I can do is turn up and be prepared to talk about them properly, that that's just courtesy. Um, so yeah, I, I and I also know that my job is... It's really competitive. Everybody would love to do that. And I know I'm pretty lucky to get to do that. So the least I can. Well, of course, you're bringing a, a unique perspective because you've been in the saddle. And while the rest of us were working in restaurants or duns or whatever in college to try and get a few pounds there for the weekends, 
This was your job? Yeah, that was my part-time job. That put me through college. Uh, I started writing in fifth year of secondary school. And again, it was just we had a horse at home. Connor Castle, he actually contested the Galway plate, uh, went off favourite and ended up on the floor, but didn't actually fall, if you know what I mean. So um, Connor Castle was a very good horse and he was there. I started on him. He was very good. I got on well. Things took off. It paid for my first car. It got me on the road, literally. And I got to make a lot of contacts in the sport. And I'd imagine probably from doing interviews, whether in victory or defeat, that got me noticed by RTE, who ultimately gave me my start. We're very lucky in racing, in this country in particular, that we have access to the stars. You know, in soccer, you don't get to talk to Messi after he scores a goal. You have to wait. You have to do a press conference. You don't get to talk to Jose Mourinho straight away or Serena Williams. So you, you, we actually get Willie Mullins as a horse crosses the line. That's We're very fortunate to get to do that. As an interviewer, what do I look for? I just look for something that the people at home want to know. Galway Racecourse isn't where you get predictability. You know, you, you will have a number of Dermot Well winners and you will have a number of Paul Town winners and they might be favourites and it'll be a little bit like Punchestown or Cheltenham. But you will get the people's story. You will get the Hewicks. And that's, I think, ultimately what sells the sport. So people looking at yourself on television and having ridden and everything else or youngsters who are thinking, I'd love your job or I'd love a start in racing or I'd love to ride out or I'd love to be involved in a major festival like Galway. What do you say to them? Make it happen. Take the steps to make it happen. Work backwards. If you know your goal, work backwards. If you want to be the next uh, presenter of the Late Late Show, how do you make it happen? Why didn't you get the job this time around? I told you not to mention that. I declined the opportunity. I moved on and we're not going to talk about that. You and everybody else, yeah. <laughs> Look, that's a really hard job. I don't envy uh, Patrick and I, I wish him all the best. That's a blooming hard job. Um, but yeah, that's what I would say to anybody who wants to, to make anything happen in their life. If you know the goal, work backwards. What are the boxes that need to be ticked? It's like if you go for a job and you have to fill out a CV or you look at the criteria that is listed uh, as requirements for the job. Do you tick the boxes? If you don't tick all the boxes, how can you make sure the next time that job comes around that all those boxes are ticked? If I ever write a book, it'll be called Make It Happen. And I would say... Um, in terms of racing and as a rider, I may have been a trainer's daughter, but my dad had like 15 horses. Let's be honest. He wasn't going to get me make a living, you know. But when you had those lady only amateur riders races, they they were the ones that got me the Dermot Well rides that got me into bigger races. They are crucial. And uh, I would hate to see them get marginalized because I think the only way we'll find the next... Rachel Blackmore and Nina Carberry is if we give them the opportunity to drive the car to get on the horse. So Galway 2023 is the reason we're gathering and looking ahead. What's your favourite aspect of Galway? Oh, it's the people. Yeah, it's it's going in amongst the crowd. And yeah, I usually do that early in the day <laughs> because if you go in there after the third or fourth race, uh, you, you mightn't come out of there looking the same. It's definitely, I like to get in early, get in my cocoon, miss, um, you know, the hordes of people coming in and then you just open the doors of the press room and it's just a sea of people and everybody's looking.
Have you a top tip for Galway for the week? As in to survive it or to win, have a winner? Both. Uh, survive it, pace yourself. Don't come complaining to me on the Wednesday saying you're tired. We probably went out Monday and Tuesday night, seven day festival. And for horses, track form. Horses for courses. Galway is one of those for sure. So does that mean that we look for hints in the previous list of results? And if so, where would you say you'd back a horse from who's done well? So in other words, when I'm looking at the track form in Galway, are there any tracks that you think would be a good indicator for oh, Galway? horses that have performed at Galway. Um, and there are horses that will have been earmarked for Galway as early as last year's festival. So if you have a horse that has gone out of form on soft or heavy ground during the winter, prob- probably is the fact that he wants summer ground to Galway. Hopefully and the rain doesn't come. Yes. But, you know, the team at Galway will arrange nice weather, I'm sure. There's no similar track in Ireland to Galway, is there, having ridden it yourself? Not as undulating. You know, there, there are undulating tight tracks, but there is a uniqueness to Galway where you have those two fences in the dip with five strides in between. And if you get the first one wrong, you get the second one wrong. Not that I've ever ridden over fences at Galway, but I know from watching the good riders how it is almost show jumping-esque to get those two strides, those two fences right. And uh, from a flat perspective, just... I think we have, a, as a country, we have a reputation for producing some of the best jockeys, and that is, I think it was Mick Canan suggested it's because we have some of the tightest tracks. You have to ride real tactical, and that's really apparent when it comes to the big festival of Galway. In 2023, is there a trainer or jockey to follow, in your opinion, going into Galway this year? Because, look, we're just average punters. You're studying declarations, studying form, You've ridden the track, etc. So for us out there looking for good investments in Galway this year, are, is there a trainer you'd advise following? You know what? Trainers are always, uh, they're making a living paying wages. They're always trying to win. Owners are the ones to follow. The me family. They don't run horses very much during the winter because they love to have their summer outings and they love Galway. The me family is the one for me. Green colours and violet, halved, wouldn't miss them. Well, look, if they come in for us, we'll buy a, a lemonade. In I actually was offered uh, or promised a chocolate bar, but, you know, just saying it didn't come. No, look, the day is not over yet, Jane. And uh, look, can we thank you very much for your time. I know you're very busy. Um, and sure, all you have to do is turn up, though, really, at the races and say that was a lovely race, surely. Th- that's all I do, actually. My life is a holiday, <laughs> if anybody asks. I get to travel the country and uh, look at horses run around fields. Very good. Well, look, um, we look forward to seeing you in Galway and thanks so much for your time. Pleasure. The Let's Be Having You podcast, looking ahead to Galway Race Week 2023. Hashtag raring to go. And someone raring to go today is Anya Killale, founder and director of Anya Image and Communications from only a stone's throw from the race course. And or and more native on you, is that right? That'll be Mary. <laughs> In between or and more and Clarenbridge. We're very proud of the area we're from. So I'm being docked a few marks there now in the intro, but look, we'll try and get through it and move on on you. Great to see you. Looking ahead to Galway Race Week 2023. And I know your family has close ties to the festival, which we'll get to in a minute, but you have very early memories of Race Week. 
Yes, my parents would have brought us from the age of about three, I'd say, is my first memory of the Galway races, Paul. Only a short while ago. Oh, it? very short while ago. I just remember us being brought to the summer meets, to the autumn meets, and Dad would always bring us up to the railings to see the horses galloping past. And at that age, to see these enormous an- animals galloping at such a speed and the jockeys you know, on top of them, it just, I I, fe- I was spellbound by it as a child and I still am. Still, when I stand at the railings, I always remember back to that time when we were small and brought up to them. Um, we'd have been promised chips, which we'd have definitely asked for so many times we got them. And then the second highlight of the day after seeing the horses galloping past was getting a go on the hurdy-gurdies. We weren't allowed. We weren't going home without that. Without that. What about a ninety nine? Surely there was a ninety nine in there somewhere. Oh, I'd say we'd have asked um, enough times to get one of those as well, definitely. But uh, the hurdy gurdies on the way out were the highlight. And it, when I look at now what they are, it's it's comical almost when you think back to what a huge treat it was. But that's the races through the cha- through a child's eyes. It's a magical day and. Yes, it'll be filled with pauses where your parents would meet people that they knew from far and wide that would have gathered. And I'm back doing the very same thing as my parents did and meeting friends there. And that's one of the key parts of the Galway races for me is meet. It's like an unplanned annual meet up with people, friends that we know a long time. And you'll always meet a new friend at the races. And your dad is involved now with race week. Tell us about that and how that came about. Yes, he's over 33 years now with the Oyster and Guinness tent there. He took that on in 1990 and soon after that I was brought in the back doing jobs at a mu- in much different times uh, getting plates ready for customers and it was busy. But I, I hope remember- you're getting good wages now for that on you. Oh, there was definitely an increase in the pocket money at the end of that of that week, Paul, every year. Uh, but we'd be in the back making up the plates for the customers. And then when I became of age, I was out front pulling pints, serving customers and hearing the chat of the regular customers that would come back every single year. They would have their tips and they had to have their plate of oysters either cooked. It'd be the angel on horsebacks or the baked oysters. Or it will be just the natural oysters and they'd enjoy that with their cool, creamy pint of Guinness and move on then back out onto the track. I have a confession to make that I never, ever tasted an oyster before I got one off your father. Who well, I, didn't you got- know, I didn't know he was your father at the time now <laughs> um, at, in Galway. And the baked oysters mm. with the garlic stuffing, is it on top? Unbelievable. Yeah, they are incredible. Now they've moved, they've evolved the menu to suit times post-COVID. They are a real highlight. Now the natural oysters with the smoked salmon around them and there's gin and tonic dressing. Oh my God. Is one that you're going to have to try, Paul. Really, really beautiful. But you probably got one of the best oysters in Ireland if you're eating them there. And where do you get them? Is the father out kind of pulling them in from the bay? Or? Uh, he finished that a long time ago. He gets them from along the whole coast of Ireland. So well, from down south to up north. A lot of them will come in from Mayo. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, there must be some amount of oysters and pints and everything going through that tent every day, never mind every week yeah, of that yeah. festival. It's a job to keep accounted. 
Exactly, across Incredible. the seven days. Yeah, and he's still poking them out. I think your brother is involved now as well. He is. He lives in Dubai and he comes home for a couple of weeks every summer and he, he works that time with dad. So it's moving on through the family, which is really special because Cormac, my younger brother, was brought up through it the exact same way I was. Brilliant. And of course, now you're involved in the promotion of Athlone Town Centre's most stylish Friday at the festival. Yeah, Athlone Town Centre's Friday's Most Stylish is a really special day at the race course. That evening is a buzz, especially with Galway people coming to kick off the long weekend. It's a buzz with fresh, vibrant style. The focus of the competition is on high street style, but styled through your own personal view. So it'll generally be a strong piece from a high street store, but then you will bring your own personal style into it by through the use of pieces from boutiques or Irish designers are very much looked for as well in the judging of the competition. So it's very much down to not letting the piece wear you, you wear the piece, but it's accessible. It's a really accessible evening. And that's spearheaded by really strong judges every year. Colours wise, accessories wise, etc. What's in this year, as they say, in all the fashion shows, Anya? This year, it's going to be a riot of colour. It's all about dopamine dressing. So it's about... Sorry, hold on there now. What? <laughs> dopamine dressing, setting off that happy buzz in your brain with the colours that you see. So vibrant colour will definitely be to the fore. And that's going to be a way to get noticed. That's a new on one the on day. me now, I have to say. <laughs> so I'm just taking notes here. Go on, Anya, keep going. Well, you could join in on the trend yourself as well, Paul, as bright as you're willing to go. So... So a dopamine dressing does mean the brightest colours and putting putting yourself out there and enhancing the mood of yourself as you wear it and other people around you. So accessories can be bold or they can be more paired back depending on the colour and style that you're wearing along with that. Men can join in, like I say, on, on the dopamine dressing trend. So hold on now, I'm looking to go out there and impress on the Friday, but I want to be in vogue and in style on the Friday. What advice do you have for the men before we get to the colours that are in this year? For men, it's all about shape and cut. It's all about keeping the outfit streamlined, keeping it a closer fit to the body. Accessorising then, as with women, is going to really make you stand out. You may choose to do a colourful pocket square. You may choose to do a neck scarf or a hat. And socks. Good, good luck with that, guys. <laughs> socks with or without. They both have their own flair to a style as well. Where's the jury on the socks on or no socks on you? It depends on what you're wearing. If it's a loafer, don't wear a sock. If it's a shoe, please do wear a sock. But I will clarify that the competition is female only on Friday evening. That's no bother. But I just want to make sure that we're stylish when we turn up on the day, Anya. That's all. That's a great idea, Paul. And I think if um, if a man has a partner who's hoping to be spotted by a judge, being a great looking accessory is going to be no harm either on the evening. I hear you. And tell me this, the Miami Vice and John Travolta suits, are they still in or what's your take on that? Still in is what worries me, Paul, in that statement. <laughs> Sleeves rolled up for guys is coming back again. 
Good to know. But don't they say that if you saw a trend the first time around, you probably shouldn't be wearing it the second time around. Moving on, Anya. <laughs> so anyway, what the colour for, for the girls um, this year? What's in in terms of... So you want bright colour this year for the girls. Bright colour will always stand what, out. Is there any colour in particular that's in or out? Or what, what colours are you advising? You have a lovely... Uh, for anyone watching this clip, you have a lovely outfit ensemble today, Anya. Thanks, Paul. I think this is described as a marigold yellow. Good so, to know. So, yeah, strong colour, golden yellow. Anything along the lines of a strong blue, pink, green has been really strong over the last couple of years. Um, and also then, even looking at whites, white can look very clean. And when you've the right shape in white, it stands out beautifully. <laughs> Anya Killalay, it's been absolutely fabulous chatting to you. And Thank I look you, forward Paul. to seeing you again at Galway 2023. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you so much. Create your own story this year at Ballybrit. The 2023 Galway races commence on July 31st and run to August 6th. Seven unmissable days. To secure your ticket, go to galwayraces.com. You don't want to miss it. See you there.